The contents of this show are for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. Any information on the show does not create a client-therapist relationship and should not be taken as professional advice. Before making any decisions regarding your health care, ask your personal physician or mental health care professional or call 911 for any emergencies. Today, our sponsor is Shapa, a numberless scale and personalized plan that will completely change the way you think about your overall health and hitting your goals. Shapa is perfect for people who are making an effort towards a healthier lifestyle, but do not want to feel confused or judged by a number. Instead, when you step on your Shapa, you'll see a color based on your weight trend over the past 10 days. So if you go out for tacos the night before, or it's that time of month, Shapa won't judge. Shapa will also keep you on track and motivated by sending you personalized daily missions related to exercise, sleep, nutrition, and more that fit your lifestyle and your goals so you can build healthy habits and achieve lasting results. I have a Shapa and I've had it for a couple years. I love it because when I see a color versus a number, I tend to be way more gentle with myself. I'm encouraged rather than discouraged. And I know that my color takes my weight range into consideration rather than one single digit, which naturally fluctuates. I love the missions because they are achievable goals. We've got a deal for you. If you go to myshapa.com and enter less alone, you will get a free Shapa scale and free U.S. shipping with a purchase of a one-year subscription to the app. We are three friends exploring connection from the coffee shop to the podcast studio. I'm Amy. I'm Anna. I'm Erin. Hey, everybody, we are back in the studio and so excited to have Sadie Lincoln on the show today. Welcome, Sadie. (laughs) Hey, Sadie. Hey. We're just going to jump right into things and get started with explaining, I guess, how this connection was made and why we asked Sadie for an interview. And we're so grateful that she said yes. But I went to a Bar 3 retreat, which I highly recommend to everybody if you have the opportunity. And this was in 2018. It was my 40th birthday gift to myself. (laughs) (laughs) And I went there and during that retreat, Sadie led a small like a breakout workshop session about core values and it really was a game changer for me because I was able to identify my top five core values and I was so excited about it I came back to Denver and I actually like reproduced the whole thing and did the same exercise for Anna and Aaron and a friend and then it turns out that all of us had connection as one of our our top five core values. And so the podcast was born. So here we are doing a podcast on connection and we get to have Sadie, who (laughs) in some ways, you know, started this whole thing. So yeah, Sadie, (laughs) thanks so much for being here. And if you just want to talk a little bit about your experience with that exercise or like, where did you come up with the core values exercise? Sure. It's sort of a mishmash of different exercises I've been through over the years, just self-awareness tools that I've put together. One of them is the rocks exercise where Mm -hmm. there's an empty container and you fill it with rocks, pebbles, and sand. And depending on the order of things, 
you can get everything in the container. And I saw that many, many years ago at a 24-hour fitness offsite, actually. So probably when I was maybe 26 years old, I'm 47 now. Mm-hmm. And it just so struck me. So I've, I've been, you know, borrowing from that over and over again. I feel like that was maybe from Stephen Covey's mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I don't know. I actually should find, find that out. And then the core values exercise is a mashup of different ones I've done. Um, and one of them was at Fast Company Innovation Festival in New York City. I was I attended a workshop and they did something really similar. And so we took some of those ideas and made it bar three. That's so wow. awesome. And bar three is your baby, one of them, I mm-hmm. suppose. <laughs> and I'm just wondering, can you tell our audience a bit about bar three and, you know, when you started it and the connection to community that you have really created with bar three? Sure. Uh, my husband and to this day, co-founder, and I started Bar3 in August 2008. And for a variety of reasons, we've been in the fitness industry. I have been in the fitness industry my entire professional career since I was 19 years old, through college, grad school, my first job at 24 Fitness, where I was 11 years there at the headquarters, learning how to grow a business in fitness and a lot about the industry and what was working. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily what was making money, but what kind of fitness was working. And it was always confusing to me that while fitness was on a rise, on the rise, and it had been since 1980, like upper right-hand corner, mm-hmm. a really, really strong industry. To this day, it is. I think the fitness industry has grown 5% year over year for the last 10 years. It's wow. a $30 billion industry now. It's a big, healthy industry. We um, weathered recessions and all kinds of other issues, but while fitness has been on the rise, continually our health has been on the decline. Mm-hmm. And that was always really confusing to me. It still is what I'm seeking to solve. And I think a piece of that to the community question is a big piece of that is that fitness isn't just about building muscle and sweat. Mm-hmm. It's not just about the external measures that we have all been conditioned to define fitness as on these kind of form products and services and a certain order that you do to get to a certain result. Mm -hmm. That methodology from what I've observed and what the nation's statistics show does not work. Mm -hmm. And part of that, our vision at R3 is to redefine what success and fitness means. And a piece of that is to add community into it and relationships. Mm -hmm. And we believe that relationships are just as healthy, if not more healthy than exercise. And this is now evidence-based in recent years. And back in 2008, I just intuitively knew that. And it was something Chris and I really needed for our own health and well-being, Mm -hmm. the sense of community and connection. Mm-hmm. But recently, there's been a lot of research on it. It's really interesting. Loneliness is as much a predictor of longevity as smoking. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's considered an illness. I mean, yeah. it, it is taking us down. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, a big piece of what we started with, with our first studio, was just this idea of let's build a place, kind of like a third place where people want to be and, and see themselves in this in this environment. So I'm curious about with that, since you were in traditional fitness and something, and it sounds like intuitively you knew the direction that you wanted to go into, how did you get in touch with that? And then how did you build that so that you knew the way to go with bar three? Because I imagine if you're 
I don't want to say bombarded, but if you have all these things about what fitness should be and that doesn't feel right to you, how did you know to listen to it or how did you do that? Does that make sense? Many years of investigating and not settling, you know, noticing, just a practice of noticing like, wow, I feel really uncomfortable in this fitness environment. Why Mm -hmm. is that? And, or I'm not truly fulfilled in my career. Why is that? And Chris and I, or we always, we call ourselves wonderers. We like to wonder about things. <laughs> and we would take like long hikes and talk about things and um, just really investigate together how we were going to build a life that had more meaning to us. And that was a piece of it. I know one of my big turning points is when I was pregnant with my first child. That was a huge aha for me to realize how important my body is as it is mm. and to honor it in every moment versus trying to exercise to change it. Yeah. Mm. And for me, having being pregnant was such a practice of looking inside and, and just being kind of happy and exhilarated about every moment and how my body was changing in the moment mm-hmm. versus trying to change it. And I think that's such a lesson in life because what I've observed and what we practice at bar three is every time you work out at bar three, whether it's 10 minutes or 60 minutes, we're not practicing changing our bodies. We're practicing being really present in our bodies and alive in our bodies. And um, as they are, that's the practice Mm -hmm. Um, because so many people are disassociated from their bodies. And so it was, I learned that on my own. I just kept learning that. And then, realize, wow, I'm not alone here. I bet other people really would like to to have a new relationship with fitness as well. Do you mm-hmm. notice in your studios, I don't know if you still teach the classes, but do you notice that when people, because yeah. I think when traditionally in fitness classes, people are trying to change their bodies. And so do you notice like a when people start coming more often that they like sink into that? Like, oh, I can just be in my body and that's okay. Do you notice that change in people? Yes, I do. I, it's less about what I notice and more what I hear. I oh. mean, we literally get every single week I'll get a DM or a message or a letter from someone sharing their inner growth that they've experienced from bar three. And that so many people say, Oh my gosh, exactly. I've, I've always known this. Like it's always Mm -hmm. bothered me to try to copy what other people do in their bodies so that I could try to look like something else and Mm -hmm. to look like Mm -hmm. to be worthy, to be successful, Mm -hmm. to be sexy, to be loved. And we all know that. And so it's more of people are like, oh, I remembered that that's all bullshit. And mm-hmm. that yes. the real work mm-hmm. is looking inside. It's, mm-hmm. it's not like a learning. It's really a remembering. Mm. Yes. Oh, that is and so good. It's so good. Mm-hmm. I have to say from taking bar three classes, there are. So just before this episode, one we or just before this recording, I had to do my breathing, which is like one of my, you know, how the, you know, you go down to the floor and then you go all the way up with your arms and down. And that to me, and also just some of the like more cardio movements where the instructors really encourage you to take up space with your body. And then also like the encouragement. I mean, in every class I've been to, the instructors encourages you to listen to your body, listen to your body, you know, and there's always modifications offered. And I feel like what I've gotten from classes is exactly like, oh my gosh, you know, I can listen to my body. I don't have to be like pushing, pushing, pushing. And I, I can also modify and that's okay because someone, you know, like it's being encouraged by the instructor. And then also I think just that 
the idea of taking up space Mm -hmm. and how that Mm -hmm. translates into so much else in life, you know, being a woman and taking up space with my body. Yeah, I'm really fascinated by the idea of embodiment, that we learn things physically and viscerally in our bodies. And there's so much, you know, awareness now, which I'm really thankful for. And again, now it's awareness now when you put it into practice. And that's why there's an awareness that, yes, as women, we try to shrink and to like be smaller and smaller and smaller and quieter and quieter and quieter so that we will fit in, so that we will belong, so that we're people approve of us, right? Yes. And it's ridiculous. We all know that's ridiculous. So we know that in our minds and then to practice it in our bodies is a way to make sure we're showing up that way, like Mm -hmm. counter to that, showing up. Mm -hmm. Like if I have something to say, hear me. If I have, you know, and, and here I get to be on this planet just as much as you with this body that, you know, was given to me, I'm going to use it in a big way. I'm going to show up with it. And Mm -hmm. I think the practice of it through the body is, is really important. Mm -hmm. Did you have to learn that? Or was this a thing that you, like, did you, was this a thing that you learned as a kid and then you had, or did you have to go through a similar process of learning to embody for yourself? I didn't learn it. I am learning it. Learning, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, thank you. It's not like all of a sudden you're like, yeah. got it. You know, yeah. Yeah. again, it's a forgetting and a remembering, yeah. a forgetting and a remembering. Yeah. It truly is a practice. Right. That is, it's so true. I think to the practice of it all. And then just to think of it, even as like building a muscle, but the strong, the more you practice, the stronger it'll become. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. you have built a really strong community in bar three. That's been my experience with bar three is just an incredible little sh- shout out to Cherry Creek bar three in Denver. <laughs> the It's just the women that are there, the environment that's been created and really the community. And even, you know, when, when I was able to go to the retreat, the sense of community with people I had never met before was so strong at the retreat. And I'm just wondering, how have you done this? What is your kind of connection to community and to community building and in your company? How have you done it? I guess my first instinct is just that, like raising children, it's less about what you say and more about how you show up. Mm. And so just me remembering like Donda Pani, who was at the retreat says, yeah. he's a um, mindfulness teacher. He's a really amazing friend of mine. And he says, when you show someone undivided attention, when you give someone your undivided attention and focus, mm-hmm. there is no greater sign of love and respect than doing that. Mm. And so just knowing that when I first opened my studio in 08, like Chris and I standing in the lobby, welcoming people and really looking at them and saying hi and getting to know them and their children and um, acknowledging them in a really human way. And then as we started to grow, it was like, okay, let's invite the whole neighborhood in. And then it's like, if you're having a dinner party and you have the new neighbors that come in the door, it's like a new client comes in and you introduce them to the other clients. And mm-hmm. you just foster this sense of like, everybody's welcome. Everybody's mm-hmm. around the table um, for a reason. Everybody matters. And that this space, this container, this studio is where you'll be seen and heard and validated and allowed to tap into your brave space where you can change and grow and um, become, you know, a more authentic version of yourself. And 
I just that values, those values, and then acting upon those every single day. And now we attract employees, team members who love that about us. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's not like we have to teach people that value. They show up wanting to work for us because they already inherently have it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they get to just show up and, and it just, I think it snowballs from there. Yeah. Yeah. Do you do the values exercise or with your franchisees or um, even like, well, I guess with the owners, with the other owners all over the country? I haven't. That's been mostly for retreats. But yeah. we do other we do a lot of different that's one of kind of one of our tools, but we have a lot of other tools. Yeah, um, I'm sure. To yeah. Create connection and with our owners we have we're big on sitting in a circle shoulder to shoulder where everybody can be seen and heard and mm-hmm. have a voice in conversation. Mm-hmm. All of our trainings start in a circle. And like instructor training, for example, we take sometimes two hours for introductions because every single person brings wisdom to the table. And there's so much to learn from every single person who's attending the training. Mm -hmm. And we teach them in that moment that the master trainer is not the guru, that every single one of them will contribute to the the collective wisdom by the end of the training Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. equally. And how you show up and how you participate and contribute will make us all better. Mm -hmm. And we have functions. We do circles and training. Our franchisees get together once a month and for what we call forum calls, which are Google calls. And we have 163 franchises now. And Wow, congratulations. Group, thank you. Yeah. They group in like eight to 10 people and they are in a virtual circle. They can see the video of all of them on the screen and they peer-to-peer coach each other, basically. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then we do, we, yeah. So we have kind of systems in place to create connection and community. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So a little bit about your childhood. I know that, you know, it's a, you talk about it a lot. For some of our listeners who have not heard about it, can you describe a little bit about how you grew up? And because it sounds like, I mean, really community was, from what I know, like community was very important to your childhood and how you grew up. And I'm wondering what the connection is with, you know, your childhood and then starting bar three with the values that you have. Yeah. My mom and her four, four best friends met in their twenties and they all were, ended up becoming single mothers and raised us kids together from a very young age. In fact, I was born into it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I was born at home and my godmother was the first to welcome me and then handed me to my mom. And she's like been my, one of my basically mother figures for my whole life. She actually just passed away, which was incredible. Yeah. It was an incredible experience. We were all around her when she died and in a circle. Wow. Um, So it was full, for me, truly full circle because she welcomed me in and Mm. I welcomed her out. And yeah, it was pretty. I got tears in my eyes because I know. I get tears all the time, but that is so powerful. Yeah. It was witnessing a death is one of the most beautiful, transformative experiences Mm. I've ever experience. Can I ask um, a question about that? And I, mm-hmm. this might be, so I've had friends that have worked in hospice and they said when, when they can feel that someone's spirit leaves the body, there's a vibration in the yeah. air. Did you, mm-hmm. was that part of things for you? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's how did it transform you or what, what happened? How would you explain that? It's 
a lot for me, it was a lot like labor, mm-hmm. having a baby. I mean, it was just like a lot of hard work. She had, it was just hard. And you just, I mean, there are no words. Yeah. I just would say it's a true blessing. It's mm-hmm. a true privilege and blessing to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. And, and to remember that we all, life is finite. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. how we spend our energy and manage our energy every day matters. Mm-hmm. It just matters. Mm-hmm. And that at the end of the day, having this family that my mom started so long ago, still so close, is mm-hmm. beautiful. And they're all still my aunties and their kids are my siblings and their kids are my nieces and nephews. And we just have this like unshakable tribe. And we're not related, none of us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Except for, you know, my mom and I are related. But mm-hmm. so. That's pretty amazing. And, just yeah, that. Let's just take a pause yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So how many siblings do you have? I always get this confused. I don't know why. Seven. <laughs> Seven. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then did you say there were four moms in the tribe? Five. Five moms in the tribe. Okay. Okay. Oh, yeah. wow. That's awesome. That's okay. so badass that they were, that yeah, they were I just love able it. to just, to, that's just, just amazing that they kept that connection. Like, that's so powerful. It is. And it's like they always say, it. they they also did the work. It was a lot of work to stay close mm, and committed, yeah. committed to each other. And we used to sit in circle a lot together as a family. We did lots of family rituals together. Like when we tur- when each of us turned 18, they would do this bead ceremony to like kind of like as a coming of age, going on to the next phase of life. And people would bring a dream or a a poem or a picture and share what they saw in us, oh. you know. Oh wow. And wished for us in the, in our next stage of life. When we all got pregnant, there's always like rituals around pregnancy and babies and all the major transitions. Where we drew the line, I'm the oldest, was when I got my period and my mom wanted to do that. And I was like, no, thank you. (laughs) What did they want to do? That's awesome. I mean, I was a teenager. I was a circle anyways. Like, to then talk about menstruation. Oh, my God. You're like hiding in the corner. Please don't make me do it. Yeah, no thanks. Yeah. <laughs> that's like a, like a, I feel like that when they talk about a village to raise raise a kid that's like you live literally yeah, yeah that's amazing so yeah. were you all in the same house no we had various configurations over the years a lot of roommate roommating <laughs> like <laughs> my mom and Liz lived together for four years with Sophia and I my sister and then they moved and then you know it was just kind of different we always rented. None of us ever owned until later on, mm-hmm. a lot later on. I moved 13 times by the time I was eight. Wow. Like we were constantly moving, very shifty. Wow. Like wow. When, we, when we settled in Eugene, Oregon, my mom and they all started a weekly paper that started as what's happening and then changed to Eugene Weekly, which today is the Eugene Weekly. It's the the kind of the weekly. They started that together. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so that was neat for us to all witness them pull together as entrepreneurs and and advocates for an alternative news um, channel. And they did interesting things. They did a public access news show called Nuclear Questions about, you know, nuclear energy. And they did various things like that throughout our lives. And my mom met my stepdad when I was eight, and then we moved in together. But we still, our house was actually where a lot of the family gathered on weekends and holidays. Stuff. Mm-hmm. So, what did your stepdad think about this arrangement with the 
your mom's friends and the children? Was there conversation about that? Any man who entered <laughs> um, had to love it. Because yeah. There was, it was like, you know, there, it wasn't an either or situation. Yeah. yeah. It was you like, know? this is just the situation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you yeah. have, you have a brother, right? So he, he was the other mm-hmm. male or do you have more than Miguel? Two brothers. Two of them. Okay. and Miguel. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I do have, I should say a half brother who's related to me, but from my dad, who I didn't get to know my dad really well until I was about 18, but I okay. do have another oh, okay. out there. That's a large tribe. I mean, to think about, mm-hmm. you know, the parents involved or the parenting, I would guess that your aunties did, right? Like, mm-hmm. did you see them? Did you consider them? Would you confide in them more as a parent or like, because I think of my aunts and uncles pretty different than a parent, but what was your relationship yeah. like? More like an aunt. Okay. Okay. Um, but it's cool because, yeah, and it's cool though. The other layer to it is that I wasn't related to them. Mm. And to have someone who's third party not related to you and mm. not obligated to you tell you over and over again that you're an amazing person and that yeah. they see and hear you. Mm. Like to hear that validation from people who didn't have to say that to me all the time. Yeah. I think in retrospect, really powerful. And I could go to them. Um, I still can go to them as freely as I would go to my mom with some kind of, you know, problem or thing I was working through. In fact, during a rough spot in bar three history, they held circle for me and like helped me with business. Oh, oh wow. And, yeah. And all of them kind of added perspectives and, you know, um, really, it was really about supporting me as an individual, you know, and mm-hmm. it was pretty awesome. It really is. I think about just the importance of connection to, you know, humans and to think of coming from like, even if you did move a lot, which oftentimes can be so disruptive to kids, you know, to move that much. But I feel like and correct me if I'm wrong, like I'd love to hear what your opinion is on what I'm thinking. But I would imagine that with all the connections of all your, you know, your whole tribe, some of those transitions or, you know, moving much or being more transient would be that would be the key, really, is that you have this tribe of people with so many strong connections to you. And so maybe was the moving so much? Did you feel like you always had a community? Maybe that's my question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely felt like I always had a community. And you have to also realize this is my normal. I was born in this. Yeah. I didn't mm-hmm. know anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So moving all those times wasn't weird to me because First of all, it wasn't just me. It was these other kids and these other moms. Like, we just kind of all did it. It was our normal. Mm-hmm. When I got to be more of a teenager and we, we got a little, we were more settled by mm-hmm. then. But it, it wasn't like this was cool. I mean, I, I now it's cool when I talk about it. But back then I was like, they were really alternative and, mm. and not normal. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, there was there's definitely a dark side to living a path that's, different than everybody else Mm -hmm. and it's hard for kids I mean I would I remember going to visit my grandparents who were super just normal traditional you know leave it to beaver type family Mm -hmm. and I loved it I loved it so much I loved having a schedule I loved the consistency and security Mm -hmm. 
of my grandparents and their home. And so I think there's always, a, you know, it's not all like sunshine and love yeah. and happiness and yeah. peace signs. Did you rebel against it as a kid at all? Well, if you could call like becoming a cheerleader, right. rebellion. <laughs> 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 <Right. laughs> yeah, awesome. and That'd like wanting, just caring so much about my clothing and like consumerism, and you know, I was. I, we joke that I was like Alex P. Keaton on Family Ties. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you guys are old. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Awesome. He was like the conservative in a liberal family. Yes. Yeah, right, right, right. Conservative, but I, I kind of wanted to be. You know? Yeah. 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 How do you bring, so the rituals that you did as a kid, How do you bring those in with your kids now? Like, or do you, do you, have, do you do. set up your family the same way? Yes, I try. It's sad because... My extended family, we're all separated now. We're, we're, we don't all live in the same city. If mm-hmm. we did, I guarantee you we'd all be together holding circle all the time. Mm-hmm. Especially my, my siblings. Like, we talk on the phone all the time, and we our kids FaceTime, and we're, we try to stay connected that way as much as possible. I have a, a crew of friends here in Portland who I love, and their kids, and we've, I've had circle with those families. But honestly, I think it's a little uncomfortable for them because <laughs> yeah. it's not nor like it's just not their normal. And so I've tried to figure out how do I make this more accessible or, you know, not feel vulnerable or weird sitting in circle and talking. But most of the time it's really well received and the, specifically the kids love it. Wait, so when you talk about holding circle really quick, just to clear, just so that we have a better picture of that, what's that mean for you? Literally sitting in a circle, um, like in the living room and or around the dining room table or outside, you know, just so everybody can see each other. And then having some kind of guided conversation so that there's everybody seen and heard. So it could be as simple as one word barometer. Everybody go around and say, you know, one word that you're, how you're feeling right now. Mm-hmm. Or... It could be, what are you most grateful for today? Or the thorn in the rose. Like, what's the, the hard oh, thing yeah. and the good thing? Um, it, could be, it can be that simple. Uh, and sometimes we'll, I'll do it where everybody draws a card. Like, um, I have these fun different cards. And there's a sentiment on the card. And then you read your card and what it might mean to you. Hmm. There's lots of different ways we've held circles. But those are some of them. That's great. And then how long does that typically last? It can last like three minutes or it can last like an hour. It just depends on what everybody's up to. I'm trying to think what the last one we did with the team kids, what the question was. I think it was at, yeah, what are you most looking forward to in summer, this summer and something like that. It can be a really simple question, but honestly, sometimes it gets deep just from a a simple question Mm. like that. So when your family held circle for you, when there was a hard time in the bar three history, what was that? Was that like, is the, is the intent to encourage you or like to give advice to you or what does that one, what would, what did that one look like? It's not, it's very like fluid. Okay. The, the most structured about it is that we're sitting in a circle and we're supporting each other. Uh-huh. And there's just unspoken rules that you just are there for whoever needs you to be there for them. Mm. And 
so like, let's say we sat in circle and it was about, it was going to be like kind of the reason we came together is I was in town in Eugene mm-hmm. and I had some stuff going on at bar three. Mm-hmm. But then we sat in circle and my mom said, gosh, I had a dream last night. And it really reminded me of that time when blah, blah, blah. But it, the whole circle might change towards that. It's mm-hmm. just, it's kind of, that's how our family operates. It's more just a, a practice of really listening to each other. Mm-hmm. And showing up for each other. And you don't have to talk in circle. There's always permission to pass. It's the only kind of piece of being in circle. It's just sitting, being there and mm-hmm. leaning in. And It's like exactly what Don Dapani said. Right? Yeah. I mean, the undivided attention. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. There is no greater sign of love and respect than giving someone your undivided attention. Mm-hmm. And and circle is a practice of doing that. And yeah. we are so distracted. Yes. Like if you think about book clubs or things like that, where we've all are, you know, that's kind of what we do to get together. Mm-hmm. The times I've gone, it's been chaotic. People are like screaming over each other, drinking wine. Like mm-hmm. it's not really connected. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll often leave social settings feeling depleted versus mm-hmm. like that was a re- really rewarding conversation. Mm-hmm. So I actually have a new workshop in my retreat that's oh. a whole circle and it has a whole like framing around it and some examples, whether it's a birthday party, a book Or like a sister circle. Yeah. Oh, that is great. That sounds amazing. (laughs) So that's at the retreat. I was wondering, is there a way that we could get our listeners to get in on that? (laughs) If it's at the retreat. That might be a whole nother podcast. Yeah, (laughs) totally. Totally. Well, we'll have you back for that one. I think part of it is experiencing it. All yeah. of us is just under hearing it. Yeah. But the, the other thing with circles, we sit in circles all the time. If you think about it, like at, in a hot tub, team huddle around mm-hmm. the dinner table, mm-hmm. um, around the conference room table mm-hmm. at work. So we're in circle all the time. It's just adding that layer of intention behind mm-hmm. it. Like yeah. we've all committed to this time together. Let's make it meaningful. Like literally this last winter, I invited some girlfriends over. It was snowing in Portland and we got in our hot tub in the backyard and we we started, I noticed the conversation started to go down this rabbit hole of like bitching about our, the school, mm-hmm. which always bugs me anyways, but <laughs> it's like bitching about the school and what, why the school isn't good enough for our kids. And so I kind of reined it in and I said, I just sort of like politely interrupted and I said, Hey, let's go around and I'd love to hear what book, what's the last book you read and why you liked it, what you thought about it. Cause you know, mm. I'm trying to, and it just like shifted the conversation instantly and mm-hmm. it became fun again and interesting and enriching and more connected. So I'm curious in those things. So it sounds super supportive. Was there ever times when someone said something and it caused conflict within that? And then how, yeah, I guess, did it cause conflict? And then what happens after that? I guess I've had kind of heated conversations, but I don't think there's really anything wrong with that. Yeah. You know, as long as it's a safe space, Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. diversity of ideas is important and it's of important course. to be able to challenge other ways of thinking. That's when, if you can hold a really safe space where everybody doesn't feel like they're going to have be hurt or physically or mentally, then I think it's really, really healthy to yes. have diverse perspectives in circle. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it sounds like, I know intention is really big in your life, you know, with even like the circles and then the bar three community. Do you have 
core values or like, do you have values that really have guided you in in your life in general? But then also, because it, it just sounds like even with your marriage, like, so you sound so intentional. It's really um, incredible to me. And I was just wondering, what is guiding you with like, do those you have intentions? A, a life philosophy or what are your five? The five core, values. Core yeah. Values? Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Anna. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm glad it sounds so intentional, but again, I just have to underline that it is a practice. It's not something, yeah. I mean, yeah. I will go like days of just on autopilot and conscious, like, <laughs> you know, yes. sucking. Yeah. Um, and then <laughs> I, you pull out of it. Yeah. And then it's like, oh my gosh, wait a minute. I need to go out. I need to walk. I need to not watch TV. I was get on whatever social media. I need to go outside and walk with my dogs again. Or, yeah. you know, whatever it is. It's like, you just, it's like the remembering, I think is really important. Mm-hmm. I think so many of us struggle with inner critic and just feeling like we're just, we should be that way all the time. And I've come to just surrender to the fact that we're just not like, mm. yes, just, you just add some clothes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And um, my core values, I'm trying to remember the fifth one. I think it's connection actually. Oh, really? Um, hey. Yeah, I think it is. <laughs> um, gratitude for soul, family, nature, spirituality, and connection are my five top. Sorry. Can you repeat those one more time? <laughs> Gratitude. Yep. Family. Yep. Nature, spirituality, and connection. I loved in the workshop how you, I think you pointed out how these different words can mean such different things to people. Yeah. And really, it's like your own interpretation of it, you know, mm-hmm. and, and how um, whatever those five are or whatever value someone chooses to live by could be one word to some, or it could mean something to me and something else to you, you know? Right. Yeah. It's good. Good stuff. But, but it, I get the sense when you were talking about the circles, I was going to say that before Amy asked her question, it feels like I'm all into energetic type of things. And it feels like it's almost the community and the tribe that you have feels like a the only words that are coming to my head, it feels like an energetic like trust fall. Like, you know mm. that these people got you. And that feels like, uh, from the outside in, feels like that would be such a sense of safety. Uh, and like, you know, that, that you know that people have you. And so um, I don't know if it feels like that for you, but from the outside in, it feels it's such a beautiful thing. Yeah. And I would say from the inside out that we can all have that. Right. Mm-hmm. It's It's not something like spectacular that's just me I mean Mm -hmm. we all so many of us do have this it just takes a different shape and it has a different story or book cover to it but I think we all humans need that we need an energetic trust fall with the people around us who we trust and love it's really really important that's that whole loneliness piece that if we don't have that it's really hard to thrive absolutely um and the first way to have that is to go out in the world and look people in the eyes and let them in, Mm -hmm. like let them in, Mm -hmm. you know, one person at a time. And sometimes it's not your family, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. it's your chosen family. My mom chose her family. She didn't go with her biological family. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important for all of us for sure. Mm -hmm. So Sadie, what personal work have you done? Obviously you've done a we can tell you've done a lot of work on yourself. What have you done to get to where you're at to have all these insights? 
Lately, I've been into the Enneagram. Do you guys oh, know okay. about that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what number are you? Guess. Oh, <laughs> I don't think I know you well enough to guess, baby. Well, you've done a lot, so you could be a three. Maybe you're uh, yeah, a six. A three. You're a three? Okay. Oh, All right. Oh, hey. Oh, that's good. I'm a seven. I'm a three with a two wing. I'm a seven with a six. Nice. Okay, so I'm sorry, but I'm not entirely um, <laughs> up to date on this. So can you guys explain a little <laughs> bit about... What? Probably you can do a better oh. job than I can, Sadie. <laughs> it's, first of all, it's the Enneagram, E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M. And it's kind of like a strength finder, but it's way more layered, I ah. think, and deep. Okay. It has, it's relationship-oriented. There's nine numbers in a wheel. Mm-hmm. And each number is about kind of how you're naturally in the world conditioned to show up. Mm-hmm. And then there's so many layers. It's like how you relate to the other numbers, how you relate to yourself. It's just a really amazing way to understand yourself and in relationship to other people, which that's what I like about it. My husband and I, it was so helpful for us to do it because he's a nine. He's a peacemaker. Mm. My husband, too. I'm a three. Oh, really? (laughs) Uh Um, It's wonderful. Maybe that's why we're still married. But (laughs) I also... (laughs) I also like used to want him to stand up for me, for example. Um, I wanted him to kind of be that strong, like take a side, you know? Yeah. And he will never be that. It's not in his nature mm. to do that. And the Enneagram helped me understand that and also understand where his where he needs to grow and where I need to grow. And mm-hmm. so we, we actually help each other that way. Mm. I think the Enneagram started it originated with Christian mysticism, which I think is really fascinating. Mm-hmm. That's so yes, exactly. Spiritual undertone to mm-hmm. it that I really resonate with. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised to hear that. Mm-hmm. I know. I know. It's interesting. So wait, so what is a number three then? If a nine the, is a peacemaker. Three is the achiever. Uh, and so that's what I was life, in Strengths Finder. To, yeah. Yeah. And the, the way that it's helped me is to, to remember that my kind of natural way is to achieve, Mm. to be seen, to be heard, to Mm. think I'm worthy, which is not healthy. Right. So it's Mm. helped me remember my worth, my, you know, is not in my success Mm and all the external things and being authentic to myself and my words and my wisdom and all these things. But threes have a lot harder time with that because Mm. we think that it's really important to achieve. That's why we're so motivated and driven and recognition is really important to me. So now Chris knows when I'm walking down the stairs for date night, he's to tell me, you look awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I need that. Well like, done. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's great. That is great. He's learned. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, learned. Yeah. That's awesome. So you've studied that. Um, have you done any, have you done other things to like get oh, to gosh, a healthy yeah. place? Yeah. Like what kinds of things? Well, meditation, Deep talks, lots of deep talks, lots of people. Why am I doing a blank? I don't even know. I feel like I've done a lot. Yeah. Like yoga, mm-hmm. yoga trainings. Oh, my newest, yeah, my latest obsession is astrology. Oh. Um, and it's been a big astrological year, right? I think it always is. But, but has, yeah. did it, wasn't there some huge shift that just happened at the end of the summer? I feel like that's always the case. Always 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 in retrograde. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Something came in alignment. But anyway, you yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I think I'm more interested. I have my own chart done and and it's so neat to have my own footprint and to know where my 
where everything lands every month and kind of it helps. I have a really an amazing, I have an amazing astrologer and she helps me track month by month sort of what's a natural rhythm for me based on where everything aligns in my chart. Oh my gosh. Wow. Does that include like the rhythm of eating, of activity, of like, what does that include? Not really. Gosh, I'm so kind of new in it that it's hard for me to, it's mostly like there's different houses in okay. your chart. Okay. And like there's a house of spirituality. There's a house of relationships. There's okay. a house of money. There's a house of, I forget what the, all them, what, yeah. what they all are. Mm-hmm. And then wherever your kind of planets align, mm-hmm. then that, that month. And so, so there's a month of rest. Like I think I'm in a month ah. of rest where this is a month where I just kind of take a break. And then next month I think is the relationship month where it's really important for me to cultivate, think about relationships in my life. Oh. And then the next, I don't know, it's like yeah. the whole kind of matrix. And I just like it. I don't, you know, it's not like I'm going to, and she, Emily was, is the first to say, don't make decisions based on this, but use it as a self-reflection and mm. kind of a, a entry point for inner awareness. Mm. Like, oh, that's interesting. That really lines up with what's going on in my chart. That's so cool. Have you had your kids to have, like, have you had their charts done? Yeah. Both you have? have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what do they think? I mean, are they, they into well, it they, or is I it? Have a, I had their birth charts done when they were both born. Oh, cool. So they actually haven't had their own readings yet, but I should do that soon. That would be really fun to do. So Sadie, we have one more question for you. Wait, wait, before we get to that, I was just hoping we could quick talk about the January challenge at bar three, because it sounds like that's another like shifting of fitness. And can you tell us a little bit about what's happening in January? Yeah. So as I've been mentioning, it is a practice of remembering, right? Why we exercise is kind of the practice in January. And what I know, and I don't just think this, I know this because I've witnessed it now over and over again, that when we change the way we think about fitness from something that's going to enable us to change and to become whole and happy someday, Mm -hmm. um, which that's the message we've been sold. Like if you think of the before and after picture, it's Mm -hmm. like, yes, you before, but if you do these things in this order, you're going to be the after picture and then you're finally going to be happy. Mm -hmm. The after picture is imagined. It does not exist. And it sets us all up for shame and failure. Mm -hmm. If you think about it, it, even my own after picture isn't after anymore. It's in the past, right? Mm -hmm. Um, There's no presence in the after picture. And most of us buy fitness thinking that we're going to be an after picture of someone else anyway. Mm -hmm. We'll never be someone else. Mm -hmm. And that kind of mentality over and over again has driven so many of us to see fitness as a chore, Mm -hmm. as something outside of ourselves that we don't really identify with. In fact, when I introduce myself at cocktail conversations and say what I do for a living, people always say, oh, I haven't worked out forever. It's like they don't even want to talk to me mm-hmm. because they have so much shame about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and in January, we're really, we're really looking to, to reshape our relationship with fitness. And so we're doing a feelings-based challenge where we have all these tools in place to assess how do I feel right now in my body? Oh, wow. My, you know, my shoulders are tight. I feel anxious today. My head's kind of foggy. So you just sort of assess where you are. And then as you're working out, you ask yourself over and over again, what do I need right now? What do mm. I need right now? Mm. And the, the practice is in being honest about yeah. what you need in the moment mm. because we're all so individual and then exercising to meet you where you are. And then at the end, check in again. How do I feel right now? And we have all these ways to do that 
within our classes, we have these amazing sticker boards now with feelings-based kind of mantras um, and self-awareness workbooks and a whole online program that goes with it. And the whole idea at the end of this is that by the end of the month, we're all going to be more alive Mm. and honest in our bodies just Mm. as they are. Wow. And reaching fitness. That's so awesome. That's fantastic. It's beautiful. Yeah. And it's so different than what we're just told all the time. It's super refreshing. It really is. So everybody, make sure you go to your closest Bar 3 studio and sign up and get involved in that awareness challenge. And if you don't have a studio near you, this whole thing is available online. Oh, yeah. We have online streaming classes and the whole program online. Yes. Very cool. Okay, Sadie, last question for you. What would people be surprised to know about you? Oh, wait, should we just say, so this is our super random question. Super yeah. random question. We ask our, okay. not just to throw Last this out Last time was, there. would you rather be a centaur or a mermaid? So right. you can answer that if you want. And so this one yeah. is, what is people surprised that Anna always comes up with a doozy. So there you go. Yeah. So you can take a minute to think about that yeah. one if you need to. How'd that come out of right field? It's Anna. It's Anna. Um. I think people would be surprised to know that I've never played a sport in my entire life. And I was not a dancer, a yogi, or a Pilates enthusiast, and I never liked fitness or anything competitive (laughs) my whole entire life growing up. Yes. Wow. Have you grown in appreciation for that, or you still feel that way? Nope. Nope. (laughs) Which is so interesting that you're an achiever. That is. I know. Yeah. But I don't have a competitive bone in my body. Oh, wow. I, I literally, wow. I'm like, you win. You win. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. That's All awesome. Right. Well, Sadie, we are just so grateful that you took an hour out of your day and were able to talk with us and, you know, just get into these deeper questions. So we are really grateful. And if listeners want to follow up with you or any questions, we'll prob- we will have an opportunity for them to do questions on our Facebook page. So we'll tr- circle back with you about how to get that to them. Great. Well, thank you. It's been fun. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much, Sadie. Have a great day. Thanks. Bye. 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 Okay, so we talk about connection. That's what our deal is here. So we have a six-step roadmap for instant connection. You can get that at connectionroadmap.com. It will give you the hookup on what to do to get instantly connected with people in this world. We've got a deal for you. If you go to myshapa.com and enter less alone, you will get a free shape of scale and free U.S. shipping with a purchase of a one-year subscription to the app. Thanks for listening. You can find more about this episode and a way to connect to the community at lessalonepodcast.com. And if you like us, don't forget to subscribe and be sure to leave a review. It helps other people find us and could be just what they need.